Amen. If you will, remain standing and turn with me to Matthew chapter number 21. Am I on? Because I can't hear me. Am I on? Turn it up a little bit. I ain't got my hearing aids in. There we go. I can hear something now. Amen. Listen, Brother, brother Jalen, Brother Jalen said earlier that no matter who you are, everybody has a need. How many of y'all agree with that? I have a need myself. I need that shirt he's wearing. <clears throat> man, I, I like that. Amen. Amen. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. And man, that's bright on a Sunday morning. Amen. I love that shirt. I wear stuff like that. I'm telling you, I ain't scared. Amen. I found out, I found out last week. Uh, it's, it's, uh, some of our, some of our family at Fairview, uh, one of their, one of their little girls, uh, four or five years old, uh, wanted to stay in big church last, last week. And, uh, and, and so she got to stay in big church last week and, and she was real intrigued through the whole service and, and on the way home, uh, most of y'all know we, we read out of the King James. That's what we, that's all, all I've ever known, all I've ever had, and probably going to die that way, same way. And, uh, and, and, and out of the King James, you got to be careful because that little girl told her mama on the way home, said, boy, preacher was cussing up a storm this morning. <laughs> Most of y'all know King James didn't use the same word for donkey that we use, Amen. And so they had to explain it to her. And I heard she said, well, then can I use it? They said, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm going to try to do better. Amen. You know, there's a, there's a word, you know, and we, I, I fixed it Wednesday night. You know, I was quoting out of Hebrews. The Bible says, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And if you're without chastening, you're a illegitimate. <clears throat> See, I fixed it. Amen. Amen. All right. Now, some of y'all ain't laughed all more. Come on now, loosen up. I'm going to get you one way or the other. Amen. All right. Matthew 21. Uh, we, we are going through the New Testament. We're just going and preaching as we go through the verses and we stop there in verse number 11. So why don't we just jump into verse number 12? How many of y'all have been enjoying this New Testament teaching and survey? Amen. It's been really enlightening. God has really blessed us. There's nothing like God's word. Just stick with God's word. We don't need nobody's opinion and preference. Just stick with God's word. It says, and Jesus went into the temple. Now keep in mind, let me give you a little brief review. Uh, Jesus has, has come in in the triumphal entry. All right. This is the last week of his ministry on earth before the crucifixion. And now he goes and he sees some things he doesn't like in the temple. Are you with me? Say amen. Verse 12, and Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. And he said unto them, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he what? He healed them. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased. Now that should tell you something about their spiritual condition. 
Did you hear what it said? When they saw the wonderful things he did, they had an attitude. Anyway, anyway, we'll come back to that. Verse 16, and they said unto him, hearest thou what they, hearest thou what these say? And Jesus saith unto them, yeah, yeah, I hear him. Have ye never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? And he left them and went out of the city into Bethany and he lodged there. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm so grateful and thankful for your love and your mercy. I'm thankful for a, a great church to come to, to hear and to learn and to worship together and to just be in each other's company. Lord, I, I, this world's getting crazier and crazier. And Lord, this is so, so needed. Lord, I thank God for technology. I thank God for uh, the ability to broadcast the services. But Lord, there's nothing like being here in person. There's nothing like gathering together. Lord, there's nothing like, uh, Lord, we, we can't encourage one another sitting on the couch. Lord, I pray that you will bless this assembly. I pray that you will bless the assembly that's meeting in Fairview right now. As we all have come together to encourage one another and exhort one another as we see this day approaching. I pray that you'll move, help me deliver what you've given to me in my heart. I pray that your perfect will be done. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't. Don't let me forget anything I should. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I desperately need the help of the Holy Ghost today. And God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. I want to give you a little background. <clears throat> a little background. Uh, and then we will, really we have two points today. Several subpoints, but two points. I want to tell you what happened. I want to tell you what happened in this particular situation. And then I want to share with you what does it mean to us. So what happened and then how does it apply to us today? How many of y'all know the Bible is still relevant today? The word is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's, it's alive. The word quick means it's alive. It endureth to all generations. It's never outdated. It's never irrelevant. It's always on time. And we can apply it to today. Now, I want to show you a picture. Do, do we have our picture? Do we have our picture there? Uh, if, if you will see this, this is a model this is a model that's in Jerusalem uh, that, that when you go to Jerusalem with me, you'll be able to stand here and see this model right here. Uh, this is what the temple looked like in Jesus's day. Uh, if you're there at Fairview, I, is this showing at Fairview? I hope, I hope so. I hope they're seeing this right here. Uh, this is the model. And if you will look in the dead center, uh, that is the main temple area. But the whole complex, the whole temple mount is considered the temple. Are y'all with me? Say amen. If this means yes, this means no. All right. Y'all with me? Okay. If you will look to the left side, that big massive courtyard, the left side of the main building there, the Holy of Holies, that is called the court of the Gentiles. Say that with me. The, court of the Gentiles. it's the court of the Gentiles. This is where all of this stuff was that Jesus ran out. So if you can get a mental picture in your head, what this looks like, this is what it looks like in Jesus's day. The whole left side is the court of the Gentiles. Now, the Jews considered the court of the Gentiles, uh, if, if God is going to let a Gentile in there, 
then a donkey or a, 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 a sheep or an oxen is no big deal. That's how they looked at Gentiles. That's how they looked at people who were non-Jewish. And so here's what I want to read to you and, and just keep that in mind. Keep that picture in mind. Within the past several decades, up until this point where Jesus ran them out, the, the area had come to be used as a religious marketplace. Now keep in mind that that area is supposed to be an area so the Gentiles could come to God. All right? It was a, it, it was a, a created place so Gentiles could come to God. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And keep in mind, keep in mind, uh, we'll deal with this a, a little more next week, but keep in mind the whole point of the Jewish people was to be a witness to all the rest of the world of who God is, and they were supposed to be leading Gentiles to God. If that makes sense, say amen. That was the point. That was their purpose. God didn't just see this little group of people and said, you know, I like them better than everybody else. It had nothing to do with them. There was nothing good about them, but God chose them and he separated them, set them apart and said, I want you to be a witness to all of the world of who I am. And they failed miserably. They failed miserably. This area was a place for the Gentiles to be able to come to God. You got to get that. that. That's so important. Now, watch what happened. Watch what happened. They begin to use this area as a religious marketplace. It was under the direction of Annas, the high priest. He was corrupt. He was wicked. He was a vile person. He saw the temple as his exalted position only as a means to personal power and wealth. The business enterprises in the court of the Gentiles came to be known as the Bazaar of Annas, whose chief priests and other associates oversaw the temple franchises. Merchants would buy rights to a concession for selling sacrificial animals, wine, oil, and salt. And this was all stuff used for the purpose of worship. Or for exchanging money into the proper currency and denominations used in the temple offerings. In other words, if, if you had to travel from a long distance and you did not want to bring an animal that far, you would, you would sell that animal there, change it into money, and give the money instead of the animal. If that makes sense, say amen. Now, according to the Levitical law, any animal approved by the priest could be offered in the temple. But here was the catch. The chief priest made certain that animals not bought in one of the franchises would be judged unacceptable, giving their concessionaires the de facto right to provide all the animals. See, they had a racket going. Y'all see this? Uh, it, listen, according to the Jewish Christian historian, Alfred Eidersheim, a person would often have to pay as much as 10 times what an animal normally costs. As if that extortion were not enough, those who needed to have foreign currency exchanged or would have had the money to be converted into the exact amount for an offering were charged a 25% fee. Jesus was therefore speaking quite literally when he called the temple market a den of thieves. If y'all are with me, say amen. amen. The Jewish people were supposed to be a light to the world. The temple had a place dedicated for the Gentiles to come to God. Now, in your head, I want you to imagine, because this is how I imagine this. 
Imagine that whole left side, that whole courtyard looking like a flea market with booths set up with animals. It's filled with animals. It's filled with oxen. It's filled with sheep. It's filled with doves. It's filled with different stands set up to exchange money. And what did they do? They crowded out the very people they were supposed to be a witness to and bring to God. And so Jesus comes in. And by the way, this is not the first time he did this. In the very beginning of his ministry, Jesus cleansed the temple. You remember he, he made a whip. He made a whip and, 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 he, and, he, and he drove them out. And, and, and this, and you know, I, I read that this proves that, that Jesus was a Dodge fellow. Because he drove them out in a fury. <clears throat> Say amen. Do I have a witness right here? Hallelujah. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know where that come from. <clears throat> I'm trying to stay serious and dignified. But I just can't help it. Amen. Now, I, and I love it when people say, oh, oh, why are you acting like that? What would Jesus do? And when every time somebody asks me, what would Jesus do? I said, keep in mind, he made a whip and drove people out. All right. Yes. Flipping tables. Now, imagine this. Imagine this. Jesus comes in. It's right after his triumphal entry. He's coming in meek and mild and lowly on a donkey. Donkey. Amen. And they're crying, Hosanna, Hosanna. Now all of a sudden he turns into Rambo and he's flipping tables over. Money's flying everywhere. Listen, goats are running. Sheep are running. People are flying and he is dealing. He is taking names. Say amen. I mean, this, this place is because not only that, not only that, I read that Pastor Byers was using the inside of the court as a cut off as a shortcut to get from one side of the city to another. In other words, they had completely taken away the sanctity and the holiness of God's house. And Jesus stopped it all. Jesus stopped it all. Now, now don't, don't go crazy now. Don't go crazy and get unbiblical on me. That was God's house. Now you say, oh, preacher, this is God's house. No, it ain't. You're God's house. You're God's house. And now that's a whole nother sermon. I'll get to that later. Amen. But do you see what's happening? We see Jesus is seeing the way his father's house is being treated. And there's three things that happen. I want you to see this. First, we see the action that we see. What do we see? And now we're, now we're going to look primarily just what happened right here. And then we're going to see how it applies to us in the second point. Okay. So what action do we see? Well, the first thing that happens, what's the title? What's the title? Say it loud. All right, everybody, Fairview and Coleman, let's all say it together. Say the title with me. When Jesus comes to town. town. Now, this is going to apply to everybody when Jesus comes into your life. When Jesus comes to town, literally, when he comes into your life, these things are going to happen in your life. Are y'all with me? Say amen. If these things have not happened, then Jesus hadn't come to town. Are y'all with me? Now, number one, or A, A, write this down. We see the action that we see. First, what was the first action that was taken? First, sin is confronted. Sin is confronted. When Jesus came to town, 
the first thing he did was confront the sin that he saw. They had corrupted the temple. They had profaned the temple. They had crowded out the very people that they were supposed to be bringing to God. They had made it almost impossible for the Gentiles to come to God. They had completely missed their purpose. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Sin was confronted. Listen, uh, if, if, if you want Jesus to come into your life, you're going to have to expect him to confront the sin in your life. That was part of the problem. They were not looking. Listen, they were not looking for uh, uh, an inward fix. They were not looking for Jesus to deal with their spiritual condition. They were not looking for what was real on the inside. And by the way, you remember how Jesus and God operates Remember how God operates? We learned how God operates when we looked at the, the anointing of the king. You remember when, when Samuel came to uh, 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 all, of, all of David's family, Jesse? You remember when he came to Jesse and he's looking at the sons and Samuel's looking on the outside, but God's looking on the And he passed them all by because God don't look on the outside He looks on the inside and God is concerned with what's on the inside. The Israel, the nation of Israel was concerned about the Roman army. They were concerned about the Roman tyranny. They were concerned about the slavery that they were in and the oppression they was under. But God was concerned about the sin and the degradation that was on the inside of them. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So the first thing we see, sin is confronted. Then B... Healing is initiated. Look what it says in verse number 14. After Jesus drove them out. After Jesus drove them out. The Bible says in verse 14. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he and he healed them. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing the people that had their sin confronted, got an attitude. But the broken and hurting, they were not afraid to come to him. They just came to him. They were desperate. They were hurting. And they came to him and Jesus, say it with me, he healed them. So you see two things happen here. First, sin is confronted. Then healing is initiated. You know, we have a pro- Well, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. I'm trying to get ahead of myself because I know where I'm going. Amen. C. What was A? Sin is. B. Healing is. And then we see C. Joy is restored. Joy is restored. Verse 15. When the chief priests and scribes saw one. Uh, saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna to the son of David. What was happening here? The children, most likely, most commentaries say that, that it's the, 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 the teen, older teen boys of those who were crying Hosanna the day before. When Jesus was coming in his triumphal entry, the adults were crying, Hosanna to the king, Hosanna to the son of David, Hosanna. Now, listen, the kids have done picked it up. Now they are rejoicing. Now they are praising. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, you can believe what you want to, but God hears the prayers and God hears the praises of the little people. 
Matter of fact, we always want to go to an old person to get them to pray for us. You might want to find out one of the young people and let them pray. Because God hears their prayers. You know why? Because they're still raw and they're still innocent and they're still, he said, come as a little child. Have the faith as a little child. Amen. Church, say amen. Joy is restored. That's the action we see. So let's, let's review again and then we'll, we'll see the application. This is the application, most important part. But I want you to see this. A, we see sin is, come on everybody, come on, help me now. Sin is, healing is, and joy is restored. All right, number two, how does this apply to us? Here's the application. Now what's the title again? Say it again. All right, now, A, I want you to see the past. I want you to see the past. When Jesus comes to town in the past. Y'all didn't get your coffee this morning, did you? Okay, okay. When Jesus comes to town in the past, what did he do? Well, he confronted sin. He healed and he restored joy. Let me give you two examples. Let me give you two examples. How many of y'all remember the woman at the well? Yep. Right? The woman at the well. How many of y'all know that she had a problem? She was looking for love in all the wrong places. She had five husbands and was shacking up with somebody else. Are y'all with me? And, and, and so there's no doubt she had problems. There's no doubt she had issues. There's no doubt there was a stigma on her life. There's no doubt that she had pain and suffering because she is at a well in the part of the day when nobody went because it was the hottest part of the day. She went to a well that was even further from the town just so that nobody would mock her and make fun of her and treat her in a way. But Jesus came to town. And when she met Jesus, you know what Jesus said? I mean, they're, they're getting this, this spiritual conversation to make a long story short. The first thing Jesus says to her, go get your husband. Now, Jesus knows she didn't have no husband. Jesus knew she was shacking up. So how do you know that? Because he told her. He said, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't have no husband. He said, I know. What's the point? Before Jesus initiated the healing that she needed, he confronted her sin. And we know the rest of the story. Because of her witness and because of her testimony, the whole, the whole village came out and believed in Jesus. Say, did she, did she find healing? Yes, sir. She came with a burden. And the Bible says when she left, she left her pot at the well. Why? Because she already had the well. Amen. Amen. That's a lot of preach right there. Boy, he provided something for her that nobody had been able to her whole life. Fulfillment, restoration, and I know there was joy. So how do you know there was joy? Because she went and told everybody. Are y'all with me? Then we see, how about the, how about the one that was lowered through the roof? Y'all remember, remember the gentleman that the four friends brought and, and they couldn't get in? Mark chapter number two, y'all remember that? There were so many gathered together, you couldn't even get in the door. And so they went to the rooftop and they tore out the roof and they lowered the mandate. You know what Jesus said to him? First thing he said, thy sins be forgiven. First thing he did was dealt with a sin. 
And then what did he say? Take up thy bed and walk. He initiated healing. Y'all with me? And then there was great joy. There was astonishment. There was amazement. Now, preacher, what are you getting at? This is what I'm trying to get at. What good would it do for you to go into heaven, or excuse me, to go into eternity, being able to walk and being able to see and being able to have all the money in the bank if you die and go to hell? Are y'all with me? Say amen. I'll, I'll go into that further. We see when Jesus comes to town, A, in the past. Now y'all know where we're going for B. When Jesus comes to town in the in the present, the church age. We find this in Acts chapter 8, verse 5 through 8. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and what was the first thing he did? <clears throat> Say it with me. He, he preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, bearing or hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. So first we have sin confronted by the preaching of Christ. Then we have healing taking place. Unclean spirits crying with a loud voice. They came out of many that were possessed with them and many were taken with palsy and they that were lame were healed. And watch what happened. Verse eight. And there was great in the. You see, this is the process. This is the progression. When Jesus comes to town, first sin must be confronted. And then when sin is confronted, healing is initiated. When healing is initiated, then joy is restored. Are y'all following me? Now let's apply it to us today. Let's apply it to us today. Listen, when people get in trouble, when people go through difficulty, when people fall on hard times, when their life becomes a mess, their religious brethren or family will tell them, this is what they'll say, you need to get in. Y'all with me? You need to get in. And, and somehow we have this mistaken thought process that there is some fairy dust flying around in here. And by being present in a church house, it's going to fix everything because you're going to. Now, that's what's in their mind. But see what you what you don't understand. Going to church is not going to fix your problem. It's what you're going to get at church. If you go to the right church. Now, if you go to the wrong church, they'll tell you your blessed life can be now. They'll bring some psychological uh, mumbo jumbo and tell you just feel better about yourself. Have some positive thoughts and think better about things. But no, if you're in the right church, if you're in a Bible preaching church, if you're in a church that's got God on it, the first thing that's going to be dealt with is your sin. Because it won't do God any good to fix what's wrong on the outside if you don't deal with what's on the inside. Because just as soon as God does something about the outside, you're going to leave because you don't need him no more. And I've seen it over and over and over again. 
And I'm telling you, if you don't fix what's on the inside, your problem can change on the outside, but it's going to come right back because the outside is a reflection of the inside and God will deal with the sin. But nobody wants to hear that today. Nobody, they want to know how to be prosperous. They want to know how to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. And if they go to a church where a preacher will stand on the word of God and tell them, thou art the man like Nathan did to David, they will leave and they'll say they're judgmental over there and they are, they are unchristlike. Well, I'm going to tell you, when Jesus comes to town, the first thing he's going to do is deal with the sin. When Jesus comes to town, he'll turn the tables over. When Jesus comes to town, he'll scatter the critics. He'll scatter the hypocrites. Somebody say amen. He'll deal with your sin. Listen, your sin is a bigger problem than your divorce situation. Your sin is a bigger problem than your financial crisis. Your sin is a bigger problem than your health issue going on right now. It doesn't matter. Listen, I said it a while ago. It doesn't matter if your wife stays with you. It doesn't matter if your finances are in good shape. It doesn't matter if your kids straighten up. If you die and go to hell. Listen, don't be afraid to have your sin confronted. Matter of fact, matter of fact, listen. If you don't have your sin confronted, if your toes don't get sore every now and then, you need to go to another church. Oh, but preacher, if I bring my friends, you might offend them. I'm paid to offend all of you. All of you, every one of you. And if I don't get all of you sooner or later, let me know and I'll work on it. I'm offended about every week when I study. God pile drives me every time. Oh God, do I have to preach on that today? Are y'all with me? Listen, I know, I know that the, the condition of the world that we're in, Jesus said it was going to be that way. Jesus said that there's going to come a day when they will not endure sound doctrine. You know what that means? They're not going to put up with people confronting their sin. They will not endure sound doctrine, but they will heap upon themselves teachers having itching ears. Having itching ears. You say, what does that mean? How many many of y'all got a dog? Anybody got a dog? Y'all don't got no dog? How many of y'all don't have a dog? We need to have a conference. That's communism. Come on, man, everybody. Ain't y'all never seen old yellow? Or where the red fern grows? Are y'all with me? What about? What what was the collie? What was the collie's name? Lassie, man. What's wrong with you people? What's going to happen when little Timmy falls in the well? I'm sorry. It's that squirrel again. Got sidetracked. Listen. Listen, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We, we, we need to understand. We need to understand that God is not, he does not, he is not hating on you when he confronts your problem. Listen, they shall heap upon themselves teachers having itching ears. 
How many of y'all have ever scratched that dog behind the ear? Yeah. Oh, oh. Huh? You know what he's saying by shaking that leg? Oh, right there, daddy. Scratch right there. Scratch right there. That feels good to me. And you know what? That's what people want today. They don't want to, they don't want to come into church and be confronted. They want to come in and feel good. But I'm sorry if there's something in your life that is going to destroy your life. I'm not going to make you feel good. And the word sure won't make you feel good. I mean, that's as ignorant. That is as ignorant as going to a cancer doctor and you've got cancer and you just want him to tell you, you're going to be fine. You don't do that. You, you tell him, tell me straight up. Tell me exactly the way it is. Tell me exactly what I need to do about it. I don't care how painful it is. I don't care what I need to do. I need to get this fixed. Can you imagine if we would come to the house of God and treat our sin that same way? You see, we want God to heal our situation, but we don't, we want him to leave our sin alone. Well, if that's what you want, <laughs> get ready. Good God is fixed to turn your tables upside down. Because when Jesus comes to town, the first thing he's going to do is confront the sin. Then he's going to provide the what? The healing. The healing. I know the whooping hurts. I know it does. I know the surgery's painful. But the healing afterwards is, whoo. I mean, I've had surgery before. I've had an issue. I've had an issue, and and man, it was in pain all the time. And I I, I swore, I I don't don't want surgery. I don't want nobody around me with needles or knives or anything. Say amen. amen. But when you hurt bad enough, when you hurt bad enough, and then when the, when the surgery's over and the soreness goes away and the healing takes place, I didn't like the surgery. I hope I was a good patient. Please tell me I was a good patient. Okay, all right. She's the first one to hear me whining coming out of anesthesia. Amen. The healing makes up for the surgery. And I guarantee you, anybody that's had their sin confronted and they made it right and they found the forgiveness and they found the healing, I guarantee you they'll be the first people to tell you it was worth it. I don't like being confronted. I guarantee you when Nathan looked at David in the face and said, thou art the man, I guarantee you he didn't like that too much. But all of that conviction that he had been going through that whole time You know what David said about it? He said, my bones waxed old. And when he found forgiveness, it's worth it. So when Jesus comes to town, he's going to confront the sin. You might as well just bank on it. He's going to promote the healing. And by the way, guys, if you're here because you've got a problem and you just want your problem fixed, but don't tell me what to do, it don't work that way. So you might as well just surrender and say, Jesus... What did, what did the psalmist say? Search me, O God. 
Know my heart. Try me. See if there be any wicked way. In, in other words, he said, hey, hey, do, do exploratory search. Do whatever you got to do. Let me fix this. And then let God bring healing into your life. And then this, this is the inevitable thing. Rado, this happens every time. Joy is restored. You know what David said when he was confronted and when he was repenting? One of the last things he said was this. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Listen, everybody wants to be happy, right? I don't know if anybody wakes up in the morning and says, man, I hope I can be sad today. Right? We all want happiness. We all want joy. Right? I mean, there's books and books and books written and on the shelves. How to be happy, how to find happiness, how to find fulfillment. Listen, quit reading all those books. You just need one. You know what the Bible says? In thy presence is fullness of whoop. In other words, the closer to God we get, the more joy we will experience. But there's a problem. There's a problem. In 1 John it says, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. So if you want joy, you're going to find it in his presence. But if you're not in his presence because you're walking in the darkness... You need to have your sin confronted. And by the way, God is light. If you want to walk with him, you got to walk in light. God don't even take a stroll in the shade. Amen. I want joy. But my sin has to be confronted first. It has to be dealt with. According to scripture, it must be confessed and forsaken. Amen. Amen. Then he will promote healing. Then he will restore joy. joy. Now I want to show you something. I'm just going to throw this in. <clears throat> this last part. This is so cool. What did we learn last week? What did we learn last week? What precipitated? What came right before? What came right before? He threw them all out the temple. What came right? What did we learn last week? Jesus came in on a donkey. Thank you. <laughs> Amen. It says, especially according to prophecy, lowly, humble on a donkey. And we learned last week, if you weren't here last week, it was because it was because he was our burden bearer. Are y'all with me? Our burden bearer. He was not coming to, I see people flipping papers. Look at me, people. Look at me. You do this every week. Help me, Jesus. Help me. Help them, Lord. Help them, help them. Focus, focus, focus. Look, when, when, when Jesus came to town the first time, he was on a donkey. He was in, Brother Mickle, it was in humility. It was to bear our burdens. 
our sin burden. Are y'all with me? But how many of y'all have read the back of the book? Specifically, Revelation 19. If you read in Revelation 19, you're going to find out Jesus is coming to town again. But he's not coming on a donkey. Because he's not coming in humility. He is not coming in, whoo, say amen. The Bible says he's coming to judge and to make war. Are y'all with me? But we see the same exact process. When he comes the second time on the white horse, we're going to be with him. And you know what he's going to do when he gets here? He's going to confront sin. And you know what else he's going to do? He's going to promote healing. And then you know what else he's going to do? Listen, joy is going to be restored. And I know some of you are doubting, like I don't know what I'm talking about. And you wouldn't know it because you done folded your paper. So unfold your paper and let's read what's on it. Say amen. I'll teach y'all one day to quit folding that paper. Amen. Sin is confronted. Look at this. Revelation 19, 11. Are you there? Say amen. I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, look what he's going to do. He's going to judge and make war. What's going to happen? The king of kings and the Lord of lords, the God of all glory is coming back to this earth. And he's going to deal with all sin and every sinner. And he's going to judge and make war. He's going to make war with every nation that comes against Israel. And he's going to deal with the sin on this planet. Say amen. Amen. All you social justice warriors out there, you're not going to fix nothing. There's not going to be equality. There's not going to be peace on this earth. None of that is going to take place. As long as we have sinful men doing sinful things, this world is going to be corrupt. This earth is going to be a mess. But one day, one day, the king is coming and he is going to deal with it all. Say amen. Yes, amen. But that's not all. That's not all. He's going to confront sin. Number two, healing is going to be initiated. Isaiah 2, verse number two. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established and the top of the mountains shall be exalted above the hills. Watch this now. And all what? Nations shall flow unto it. That's talking about Jerusalem, people. Jerusalem. The king is coming. And he's going to land on the Mount of Olives, walk through the eastern gate and establish his kingdom and the capital in Jerusalem. And all nations are going to come to it. And many people shall go and say, come ye, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the Lord of Jacob. He will teach us of his and we will walk in his for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from and watch what this says. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people and they will beat their swords into and their spears into. Watch this. 
Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. Psalms 46, 9. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow. He cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Preacher, what are you saying? He's promoting healing. He's turning soldiers into farmers. He's teaching people how to grow food instead of kill each other. Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. The Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order and to establish it with judgment, with justice from henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Listen, the healing will be so significant that lions ain't going to chase zebras no more. Brother Doug, the the change is going to be so drastic that a baby can sit down beside a cobra's nest. I'm not, but he can't. In that situation, Brother Mickle, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. Amen. <laughs> He's going to promote healing. This world is going to be such a different place. Amen. And then what do we say the last? Joy is restored. Look what it says. Isaiah 51, 11. We used to sing this as little kids in the little kids choir in my church growing up. Therefore, the redeemed of the Lord. It's hard for me to read it because I'm so used to singing it. Therefore, the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. Eat your heart out, Jalen. Amen. Before I sung, I said, Lord, please let this go right. Please let this go right. I don't know about y'all, but I love coming to church here. And I love knowing the fact that although no matter where you turn, There is turmoil. But I got good news. I got good news. Brother Scott, Jesus is coming to town. And when he comes, he's going to fix it all. And he's going to promote healing. And he's going to restore joy. Now, until then, You can have that in your life today. You can have that healing and you can have that joy restored in the midst of an atmosphere of turmoil. If you will come to Christ and say, forgive me. The Bible says if we'll confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
If you'd be willing to do that today, Jesus will take you just like you are. He will forgive you your sin. He will initiate healing in your life. And he'll restore that joy that you've lost. And all God's people see.